Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus from Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And today we have an awesome show planned for you. We're going to be talking about securing the future of your family business. And who better to talk about that with than John and Jack Doyle from Doyle Securities right here in Rochester, New York. So, John and Jack, welcome. Thank you for having us, Michael. really appreciate being here. Great. Likewise, Michael. Thank you so much. Great to be here. This will be fun. So on our show, one of the things that we ask people to do is just to kind of talk about what was your journey like in joining the family business? Because, you know, joining the family business isn't for everybody. And some people do it directly right out of, you know, from uh, day one. That's the first job and only job they ever have. And other people there's, you know, some rules and whatnot and how you got there. So, John, if you don't mind kicking us off and tell us about your journey with the family business. Uh, would be happy to share. Um, so, yeah, I joined my dad in uh, 1981 uh, full time and, you know, kind of permanent basis. I, I'd done a lot of summer uh, uh, summer jobs and, you know, had done a number of other things prior to that. But while I was in school. Um, and then I worked somewhere else for a while. So my, my dad um, was pretty, I want to say pretty loose in terms of uh, requirements. Um, you know, he, he had, you know, one, maybe two family meetings and, you know, kind of generally said, hey, you know, um, it, it'd be great if you, you know, tried something else out and, and, and then maybe come back. Um, I got a, a degree in uh, marketing. Uh, from Syracuse. And then I worked for the Burroughs Corporation, took a position working in central New York, selling computer systems. Um, and then within about a year and a half, uh, not too long, really within a year and a half, he called me, he said, Hey, I have an opening. Do you want to you know, move back to Rochester and, and join, join the business? And it, you know, it was certainly in me. There was that spark in me of, you know, business is what I was interested in. I was kind of entrepreneurial as a kid. And, uh, you know, I think my dad was, you know, comfortable with that. I had uh, four siblings, uh, none of them had expressed interest and they all kind of went in different directions with their lives. So uh, they did not jump in. Um, and, and that's, that's about it. You know, he just kind of had that loose idea of, you know, getting experience somewhere else is probably a good thing, but it wasn't mandatory. And, uh, but I, that's how it played out. And that's what I did. I'm glad I did it. And, um, and that, that experience kind of was formative for me and thinking about the next generation, which Jack will probably tell you more about and what we did. But um, that, that's, it was pretty informal and, uh, you know, just a couple of meetings. And, and, and then my dad wanted to retire at an early age. 
he retired in his really kind of mid fifties, uh, early mid fifties. And, uh, he handed off the baton. Uh, I bought the company from him, from him in December of 86. So only five years after. And, um, uh, he went on to a second career and the stars lined up, you know, for me and for him and, and, uh, and for another generation of the family. So it was, you know, looking back now, uh, it, you know, it was worked out, worked out well, worked out well, but it was a little less structured and a little less formal. No, that's great. You know, I'll jump over to Jack in a second, but I just want to you know, just two little quick notes. When you're looking at, you know, some of the formulaic things that family business talk about, whether it was informal or by design, you know, your father, you know, had you go out and work someplace else, didn't have a position for you, but then raised his hand when he had a position for you, which is, is you know, phenomenal. And then the other one that I heard that oftentimes gets overlooked is you bought it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and the, I, I put, you know, I push when we're talking with family businesses, that one pretty hard because to whom much is given, much is expected. But when you are the one writing that check and, you know, I'm in the midst and I, Jack, you'll appreciate this. I have three more payments to my father. Um, January of 2022 is the last one. And, um, you know, the amount of money that it takes, you have to earn. I have to earn X in order to pay him Y because of taxes, lovely. Um, but it's the, the ownership mentality, that entrepreneurship mentality, that's one of those triggers that really pushes that. So I hats off to dad and the, the way you did things again, informal or, or by, you know, or by design, um, just good to talk about. Thank you. Yeah, we did pay fair market price. I paid a fair market price. And, uh, and then he worked out with, you know, with my siblings that, um, you know, my, my inheritance, so to speak, was the opportunity to buy the business. I paid a fair market price, but I did get good terms. So mm -hmm. I guess my inheritance really was the favorable terms. Uh, basically, it was 12, 12 years to pay it off. And then, uh, and, and then, you know, I paid in, paid them off. And, um, early by the way. And then uh, my siblings uh, shared in their estate and I did not. So their, their inheritance, uh, you know, is a share of my, my, my parents' estate. And uh, mine was just this opportunity. And it, I, I don't know if that's right, wrong or indifferent, but that's the way it worked and it worked fine. Yeah. But you know, it sounds like there was conversations that happened with everybody at one point or another there so that everybody knew what was going on. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, you know, and Jack, I, I, I promise I'm going to bring you into the conversation in just a second. But I mean, that's <laughs> that's really so cool, John, that those things happen. I, I tell people all the time before you sign documents, before you take it to the next level and finalize things, bring all the players in and, 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 and allow them to voice, to hear what the plan is. And to voice if they have any concerns or thoughts, because like it or not, especially, I mean, you guys go back to 1908 as a family history and, you know, the, the Doyle detective agency back then. But, you know, when we look at that, anybody with the last name Doyle that's been going through upstate New York, they're connected to the family business, even when they don't work there. And so there's an emotion 
piece to all of that. And people forget, you know, especially if grandma and grandpa started the business and then your parents ran it, your whole adult life, you know, for years, people have said, oh, you're, you know, your last name is Smith. Yeah, you're, you're Smith XYZ company. And, and there's that attachment that we forget about. So good job. Nice work. Jack, love to hear. Tell us about your journey, you know, and, and love to hear what you did before as well. If you didn't. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that last point you made is, is an interesting one. You know, I felt that um, as I was was growing up, um, you know, internalizing that uh, association with the business, you know, it's a small community Rochester is. So, um, you know, there's there's a few different, you know, Doyle clans out there. And uh, just, you know, being around the community, people would ask you, you know, are you are you those Doyles or those Doyles? And um, yeah, you know, part of that definitely, you know, internalized just uh, my internal association with the company and, um, you know, that plus always just having a great admiration for my dad and, and what he did. You know, I always felt an attachment to the business. So, you know, I, it started early on, I felt, uh, you know, very interested in the business. Um, I, I went part time and, and I think it was 2000, um, possibly 2001. And uh, did some part-time work for Doyle, um, doing sales, service, installation. Um, and notably, I spent a lot of time as, a, as an alarm dispatcher, um, which was some great experience um, early on. I was in high school. And uh, then uh, in between sessions in college, I went to St. Bonaventure University um, in upstate New York. Um, probably spent a good four years doing that part-time work, which was great experience for me and, and gave me an opportunity to... Uh, you know, have a foundation um, for, for my career at Doyle later on. Um, and it was good to get that exposure to just different parts of the business, you know. Um, after college, kind of like my dad, you know, there was this, um, I don't know if it was a written requirement or not, but um, there was an expectation for me and my siblings that if we were going to join the business, that we had to spend some time outside of it, much like it was for, for him and his dad. Um, so I did that. Um, I went to Syracuse and um, I started a, a career in sales there. I was doing uh, copier and software sales. Who uh, did you work for out there? Uh, Eastern Copy Products. Get out of town. I worked for Eastern in Rochester for a little bit. Get and, out. And then I, I switched from Eastern to, Zero Graph, to, to Xerox and I was running the sales agency in, in, in Syracuse. So just kind of, oh. that's, that's a really weird connect How funny yeah. yeah we can connect offline i'm sure we know a lot Absolutely. of the same people from that world that's that's great and i honestly i loved the business um you know as a first job out of college it, it was a great learning experience um you know i was one of those feet on the street salespeople. they just kind of churn out um you know you go get some doors slammed on you and and you know have some difficult conversations and try to try to cobble together a track record you know a strong track record and um you know, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks those first couple of months. Like, you know, there were just, nothing was given to you and you really had to go out and earn it. And in Syracuse, you know, Doyle was a thing, but I, there's no opportunity for me to leverage any existing relationships. You just had to go out there and get it. So um, I enjoyed that, you know, it was, it was a great springboard. And I had a nice sales career. So um, I leveraged that into a, another sales opportunity down in Washington, DC, where I had a lot of uh, former classmates that, that moved down there. And so I decided to, to 
move away to a, a different community and, and, you know, get to experience that a little bit. I spent um, another five years doing sales in Washington, DC. And then um, like my dad, I've always kind of had a, a, a bit of a passion for entrepreneurship. Um, I started a company down there, a totally different field, um, doing uh, corporate housing, corporate lodging for um, government travelers and, and, uh, uh, law firms and, and uh, anyone in DC, there's a big need for 30, 60, 90 day, like temporary quarters um, type of living. So I started a business selling that um, in downtown DC. And I uh, did that, um, sold the business about four years later uh, when I decided to move back to Doyle. And, um, you know, just kind of came up with a plan with my dad to, uh, um, I think we started about a year in advance, which is what he was looking for. Um, you know, I don't think there was a position immediately available, but, you know, I said, hey, I, I think I'm ready. You know, I, I spent a lot of time outside of Doyle. I'd love to come back. You know, I always wanted to. Um, so we worked on a plan. We, we found a position that uh, was, was suitable to my skills at the time, which was a business development manager position. And I uh, started back full time at Doyle in 2014. And uh, things have been great since then. You know, I just try to take it one day at a time, learn as much as I can, um, contribute in the ways I, I am qualified to and, and know how. And uh, I give my dad a lot of credit, a lot of wisdom to, to set up a system where, you know, no one's joining the business without spending that time outside and then um, not joining and in, in, you know, having to join in a position that they're qualified for. Um, so I was set up to succeed, you know, I think right away, um, which was great. And now I'm, uh, I've been off and running for almost seven years. I'm currently our uh, president of integrated systems and support services. And uh, it's a blast. Love it. Nice. Here's a quick question on Bonaventure. When you were there, did they have the family business center there or whatever? I think there was an entrepreneur program there. Um, I was there for four years, graduated in 2002. Um, the entrepreneurship um, section was, was fairly fledgling. I think they offered it as a minor and not a major. Um, I didn't take it, but I, I took, um, I think, you know, two out of the three courses that were offered anyways as electives because okay. I liked them. Um, I liked the instructor, instructor there too, uh, Palmer, uh, I think his name was. Okay. Um, and, I think uh, yeah. the, reason, the reason I ask is that Carol Whitmire, who runs the program here at St. John Fisher, I think she was involved at Bonaventure, if I'm not mistaken, at one point. So yeah. good stuff. And I've gotten to know Carol a little bit, you know, just through those, those mutual connections. And I know she was at St. John Fisher and uh, yeah, seems like a very nice, nice person. I, I have enjoyed uh, speaking with her. Got it. Well, great. Well, if, appreciate both of you giving us a little bit of a background. Um, you know, it's, as you go through and look at the timeline on Doyle's website about the history, I, I, number one, I applaud you for the way that you've set that up because it's, it does really start to set the, the stage for understanding who you're working with, both as a family and both as a, and, and as a business. And, and so, you know, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, the other thing that, you know, popped into my head is through the years, um, this, you know, the rest of the world, March of 2020, everybody talked about, you know, having to pivot. You guys have been, the family's been pivoting for, for centuries decades at least you know right decades, oh. centuries how many how many pivots through the years do you think there's been well i'll, I'll uh, start with that one it's there there's been a lot i mean the just uh, it's an evolution bordering on a revolution of you know different services and and um 
you know, the, the, the companies had to adapt to all the changes that happened in the world and in, in the U.S. society during that time frame, but also within our industry, every industry has unique uh, evolution. And uh, the in security industry has been pretty dramatic. You know, my, my great-grandfather started out as a private investigator, and it was a huge market for that. That was all done privately back in those days. And, um, you know, you think of... Uh, the, the, the Pinkerton stories and there were other private detective agencies out there that kind of got well known. Police departments weren't what they are today. They didn't investigate a lot of those crimes. A lot of major crimes were they were investigated privately by private individuals. Insurance companies would hire families would hire them. Um, and so there's a big market. Well, that all changed. You know, police departments took over that stuff. Um, there's still some investigative work out there, but it's much less and much different today. And then there was uh, security guard services, and which is very manpower intensive. And then electronics uh, came into play, and there's been dramatic revolution and evolution um, in, in electronic capabilities. So, yeah, we've had to flow through all that, manage all those uh, changes, uh, along with stuff, you know, societal trends and demographic trends as well. So, lots of pivots and. Um, lots of different services over the course of time. And that's a huge part of surviving a long time, I think, is being able to, to adapt to the changing environment around you. Yeah, so there's, that's a good question. Do you guys, I have to imagine, how often does the, the company do a SWOT analysis? Annually. Yeah, right? You know, and I'm, I'm always shocked when I walk into a business, worse when they say, what's a SWOT? Second worst is, you know, yeah, we did one of those before and it sits on the shelf and it's never dusted off. It's, you know, not revised. And I would say, you know, over the last, you know, year, you probably needed to do them quarterly to be, you know, to be looking at because things were changing so dramatically. And for some industries, you know, that was the way to do that. We call it just, a, and we'll have to do, we'll do this one offline, but an advanced SWAT with the mini max. And I'll teach you about that sometime. And you, cool. you'll, you'll love it. You'll love it. Make sure um, you it. But it, it, good for you for doing those things. And that obviously had been done, you know, through the generations and, and John, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's staying flexible, right? It's, 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 it's adjusting to where the where the ball is going or you know Wayne Gretzky used to say I skate to where the puck is going that's why I'm so good and and that's what you have done through the years so good for you great stuff I'd imagine it's been a lot the same with the family as well you know where the family would have to be nimble and adjust and you know you know, do some of those things. Jack, is that something when we talk about family harmony and how you guys, you know, build and keep family harmony, um, how many siblings do you have in the business versus out of the business? And how do you, how do you keep and maintain, you know, family harmony with those that are in and those that are out? Yeah. So to answer your, there are four of us um, siblings, um, the, the oldest of four siblings and Three of us are, are actively in the business. I've been there for about seven years. Uh, my sister Alexandra um, has been here for a couple of years, um, and then uh, my brother Eric is is getting started um, in July, which we're extremely excited about. Uh, my youngest Chloe um, has not uh, uh, actively expressed um, interest yet, but hasn't ruled it out. Um, so there are three out of four of us um, in it in earnest. 
Um, and to answer the second part of your question, um, I got to again give credit to my dad, you know, for for establishing some framework and bringing in some outside help um, to to accommodate this process. Um, you can go in a lot of different directions with the answer to that. How do you maintain family harmony? Um, if there's if there's just one, you know, I think it's communication. You know, it's making a point um, to express yourselves and, and to um, schedule some time to to discuss this, these things and and to see where everyone's at. Um, my dad set up a, a at least a formula where we were we were meeting annually on this without any outside help. Um, just, just to sound out where we were professionally, um, you know, maybe it pertains to the, the business, maybe it doesn't, but it was always a stated question, you know, do you want to, to be involved in the family business and what capacity, what do you see yourself doing there? Um, we've taken it a step further in, um, trying to put together a family constitution, um, you know, a living document that, you know, we're expressing, you know, what our values are as a family what our values are as a company, um, how those things intertwine, um, stating the, the rules of engagement for, for involvement with the business. Um, and there's a lot of work that's gone into that. And again, you know, credit, credit to my dad. And, and he was wise enough to bring in advisors. You know, we invested resources um, to have these processes, even though we probably didn't fully know what they were at first, um, because we, we want to have that, um, that safety net. You know, we, we, we feel like we're a very close family. We are a very close family and we all communicate well and we spend time with each other. Um, and we all love and care about each other, but um, we try to, to take every possible precaution that, you know, misunderstandings um, while they happen are addressed quickly um, before they spin out of control. And, uh, and I think we, we generally do a pretty good job of that, but it's a, um, an ever ongoing effort you know, to make sure that, that that happens. So that'd be my answer. Yeah, I mean, for those of you know, on, you know, that are listening, you've heard us on the show talk about the three circle model, you know, the family, the business and the management and, you know, looking at those three, those three pieces. I would say that there's, there's another way of looking at that same kind of thinking is that there's, there's competing goals. Sure. And so, you know, John, you and your wife have some goals of what you want to do and where you want to go. Jack, you and, are you married, Jack? I am. So you and your family, you know, have, have your own goals and each of your siblings will have all of their own goals. And, you know, then there's the goals of the business and then you have the goals of the family combined. And so when you start to look at those things without having that level of trust, which obviously you have built which allows for that really good communication to happen. That's one of those where places where it goes awry, and and you know, good on you. You know, the learning and education and reading is the antidote to you know all of the issues. It, it's 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 really raising that level of emotional intelligence and and understanding. So just you guys are the classic case of doing, you know, a lot of the right things. Um, it's really appreciated. John, you and I, we, we spoke before, and one of the things that you did had nothing to do with the family, but I think, you know, you getting some outside help when you were going through, you know, a high growth period. 
Um, do you mind, would you mind just talking about what you did? You know, you had some changes that were coming up and going into a high growth period and you did some things that I think were phenomenal there. Do you mind talking about that a little bit or do you need me to? Uh, sure, you're referring to our board of advisors? Sure. Set up? Yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, Jack, Jack alluded to, you know, bringing in help, you know, because every, you know, no one does anything alone. You got your internal team and you got to have a great team and, and you got an external team of advisors and, um, you know, knowing where and when to invest in these things, uh, I think is hugely important. So um, we did go into a period of, of very fast growth in the 80s, 90s, and into the, you know, 2000s a little bit. Uh, we were in three different businesses and all three were growing uh, through acquisition. There were, there were market opportunities. There was fragmented markets in all three and lots of acquisition opportunities of smaller companies within our footprint and, 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 and as a way of expanding our footprint. And we were you know, trying to make hay while the sun shines and, and we did really well. I mean, we had, some, we had a good uh, uh, partner with uh, a, a bank who, who did some debt financing for us. But to, you know, just to help us, you know, keep a handle on everything, you know, we, we thought it'd be a good idea to create a board of advisors and we recruited some great people um, who uh, came in as uh, paid advisors and we would meet quarterly and, you know, we'd, we'd lay out what the company's doing. Here's our plan. Here's how, you know, here's where we're deviating from plan. Here's where we're on plan and uh, please feed back to us, you know, or we've got this problem and we describe the problem and please give us some feedback. What do we do? And, uh, you know, it was, it was just priceless, just invaluable. And it helped us through that growth period. And then in 2000, we actually went kind of the other way. We, we decided to uh, sell off two of the three businesses and keep the electronics. And uh, so we went through a period where we'd kind of scaled back in size, although we're still, you know, pretty big and, you know, had some good things going on, but we scaled back from where we were. And uh, we, we kind of set, we set the board of advisors aside for that time, we just kind of regrouped. And then as the kids were coming back in the fold and I'm, the company is again getting bigger and we're still doing acquisitions, but I also now have succession planning on the horizon. We reinstituted the board of advisors um, uh, I think it's about eight or nine years ago now. And um, so I've kind of had two rounds of bringing on a board of advisors to, to help us. And this is addition to many other advisors, you know, your traditional advisors, a good corporate uh, attorney, a good corporate accounting support and many others. And um, so it's just, it's, it's a team that you need to, because uh, nobody can do anything by themselves. It, it, you know, to get anything done, um, you know, of, of any significant size or scope, you've got to have a, a strong team element. So that's, uh, that's part of it. That's great. Can you, do you mind if you go back, talk about your high growth period for a second and that time, mm -hmm. think about that time period. And was there a decision or two that you can think of that the, the board of advisors, it really made all the difference. If in hindsight, you can look back and say, you know, they pushed me in a direction that I wasn't comfortable with, or they had a different idea than I did. And it really made a difference. Anything like that come up? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can think of several milestones, I guess. Um, you know, 
just what to do about financing structure, you know, debt. I mean, at one point, you know, we're growing fast. We had opportunities to grow even faster. And we looked at, well, should we look at equity financing? Should we put a, um, a book out and, you know, consider the possibility of, of, of an equity investor stepping in and being a partner? Um, or do we stick with, you know, traditional bank financing? Um, and our board was very instrumental in setting up a process to evaluate that. And, um, uh, you know, they're at the end of the day, um, you know, we had to make that decision, which way we're going to go. That's how I got to the decision. Well, no, I think what we're going to, instead of bringing an equity partner and try to grow all three of these things, um, it would, it, that would just be a different job, a different lifestyle. And uh, the board is very instrumental in, in the decision point there. Now, you know, going this path of let's spin off a couple of these things and just focus on the one. Um, it was a great run and a successful run. And, but we could, you know, kind of reorganize the portfolio this way. And um, they were very influential with me and in, in sorting through that decision. It was a huge decision point. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, I've shared this with other people before, you know, the advisory board is not there to tell you what to do. You don't answer to the advisory board. They're there to advise. And if you right. bring in the right people, I don't, you know, I, I'm going to take a stab that you, you know, paid them fairly well to be part of this board. And it wasn't a fiduciary duty, but it was a, these are smart people that you brought in that just had different experiences in their businesses than you had. Yeah. And they have no ax to grind. You know, they're just going to share their wealth of experience and, uh, and, and, and their knowledge and, uh, and, and they're there, um, you know, you pay them as, as a matter of respect, but they're people that don't really need that, that compensation. It's just kind of, you know, it's there for the respect, respecting their time. Um, but they're there because they enjoy sharing their, their wisdom and their knowledge. And um, it's, you know, it's invaluable. You know, you really can't put a price tag on it. That's great. Jack, have you, you know, the, the, there's a board of advisors there today that's helping, you know, talk through the succession and whatnot. Do you sit in on those meetings? So I sit in on the board of advisors meetings, um, mostly uh, uh, to review uh, the, the ongoing work um, at Doyle, uh, various just topics that uh, my dad will ask the, the other executive team members to, to comment on. So I'll do that and, and I'll lead a few presentations. Um, generally, there'll be an executive session um, that, that my dad and the board um, will, will, will be involved with. I won't be a part of that. And I think we'll probably dive into more of the succession planning um, topics there without me. Yeah, I mean, and that's healthy. You know, it's you're you're in there. You're getting some, you know, the work in front of them, doing the presentations, doing that that piece. But Dad's still working with them in terms of, you know, how do I juggle all the succession pieces and, you know, what what haven't I taught Jack? What haven't I taught Alexandra yet? What needs to be taught? How do I put those pieces together? And what am I missing that I might not be seeing? That's hundred percent. Just... Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's the way it should be. So yeah, they've, they've always got some valuable insights, the ones that I've, I've heard and the ones that I haven't. So yeah, it's, it's a great asset to us. Sure. Um, talk about for a second, if you would, if you go back, 
you know, historically, the there has to, I mean, it's decades of, you know, history here. What were some of the, what were some of the inflection points that might've been tough on the family? If you don't mind sharing, you know, some of those things and how you weathered and what you learned today, what do you, you know, what, what did you learn from those things in the past? Well, um, go ahead, Jack, I'll let you start and then I'll jump in. I was going to invite, there, there's one, um, I think big lesson that, you know, we're going back a couple of generations, but I think the, the business had to learn a valuable lesson at one point um, where the company actually was was split between two family members. Um, I couldn't possibly offer the, the details of that better than my dad could. So I'll, I'll invite him to comment on that. All right. I, yeah, I know exactly what you're referring to, Jack. That's a great, great uh, example. Um, so yeah, in the, I'll call it the second generation, it was, or, or succession from the first to the second, um, the company, um, you know, had grown, had done well. They were in a couple different markets, uh, a couple different geographic markets and, um, uh, product service markets. And, um, there, there, there really was a breakdown, uh, in harmony and, uh, communication and, you know, common purpose and the family became fragmented and uh, to the point where they split the company in two. And um, some people in the Rochester community might remember way back when there was a Doyle armored car service and a Doyle um, delivery service or mail service. And, and there were vehicles there around town quite a bit and marked uh, with the family business name. And then there was the security company as well, which was investigative services, as I mentioned, security guard services, and then alarm systems. So two different family branches of the family running two different businesses. They literally had to split it in two because they really just could not coexist very well. And that was a huge learning moment um, that my father picked up on because he kind of saw it. He was alive and he was, you know, he was there and uh, it was his father and his uncles that you know, were the ones that kind of split apart. So my dad kind of got to witness that. And of course it was passed down to me and, and to Jack, um, the history that what happened there, but it was very instructive. I mean, it was um, very difficult for the family business and I'm sure set it back. Um, and the, the armored car and, and courier business eventually wound down. They did not continue on um, over a period of time. But the security business had enough, you know, enough adapted enough and kept going, um, whatever the stars lined up. Um, but that was instructive for not only my dad, but for me, my, my dad tried to do it better and he did do it better. And then I've tried to even do it better yet. And I know Jack will take it to, to a whole other level. Can't wait to see that. And um, what, you, let me let me ask you a question. What sure. is instructive? manual now going forward as you guys are thinking about this you, you you saw what happened so what does that mean going forward for you yeah so it's communication as jack mentioned earlier and setting up um a common understanding of of values mission purpose vision um and some kind of basic policies and that's our family constitution that we've set up and it, it, it sets down some guidelines of how and when you can join the family business and what are some ex expectations when you're in the family business. 
and uh, and, and and it's getting consensus on what are underlying values that, that drive these uh, these decisions, and how will you know succession be managed? And in our case, with the generation that's coming in now, we, we were very lucky because they are they're they're coming from a very solid place. They get along just so well, and they're great friends and. Um, you know, we've enjoyed as a family, you know, seeing my wife and I seeing our kids, Jack and, and his siblings have great relationships. And but then with this family business constitution and you, you put that family group into a business where you got to make hard decisions, set priorities and, and competing interests, as you said, Michael, because um, everybody's kind of got a different life. So we're trying to set up guardrails now. We're coming in from a, a strong position, but guardrails and conflict resolution and shareholder agreements and, 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 you know, procedures around within the family constitution to preserve the harmony, but also preserve the health of the business. Both those things have to happen at the same time. Right. And, uh, but we're coming in with really talented, gifted people who get along in this next generation, you know, Jack being the oldest and has having been in the longest right now. And I love working with them. It's, it's so fun. And to see the others coming in. So we're coming from a you know good starting point, but we haven't been tested yet. You know, right. it's still new. And there's so many, again, the competing interests and things that can happen. So we're trying to build the guardrails to keep it, keep the business healthy and keep the family harmonious at the same time. Right. When you're talking about that, you know, because you were the one that bought the whole entire business out of your generation. Right. Even though you're, what, what are you, seventh, gen, sixth generation? What is I'm it? fourth and Jack's fifth. Okay. So you're, you're, you're in the fifth generation, but even though you're fifth generation, it's really almost like your generation one and Jack's generation two. There's a lot of, so just looking at that alignment, because there are no cousins in the business, all four of your siblings, Jack, you all grew up in the same house, same mom and dad, have the same value system embedded so you're the one and and no this is not a pressure thing it's just an awareness thing is that the the next time there's a succession you're actually going into the cousin generation and that that third generation which always is tough john one day along the lines we should go to lunch together i'm going to share with you what i call the third act um third act philanthropy which can help jack and his siblings maneuver all of those things and you and your wife can be super impactful in making sure that that happens once you've retired and you don't have to necessarily be retired but it's just having the time to do yeah. this stuff and we we call it third act philanthropy and it has been probably one of the most impactful things of helping the oldest generation ensure that they're elders and not you know like Jack's going to be busy running the business. The, Jack and his siblings will be busy running the business and raising families and doing all of those things where, you know, you could be impactful to help the grandchildren, which you would probably have an invested, you know, desire to do that anyways, and have some extra time to be able to guide some thinking. I'll that's, that's a lunch. You buy lunch and I'll share the, I'll share it with you. It's fair enough. I'm very intrigued. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Um, Jack, what else? You know, there's tons that we can talk about. You know, Jack, you've done some things where you're involved in some organizations and some groups that have helped you to think through that. Talk about that a bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
one thing that I've been involved in that's that's been great. I, I have a, um, a a little group. We call ourselves the Rochester Family Business Association. There are probably some similarly named organizations, and we don't have a, a an LLC or a copyright or anything. So um, apologies to anyone who may hear this and take issue with that name. But um, we have a, a networking group um, of Rochester-based. Um, I'll say next gen. Um, family business uh, members, some who have, have gone through um, successions, um, some through some who are aspiring to, some who have not. Um, and uh, I won't name names just yeah. for their own confidentiality, but um, something like that, you know, I'd encourage anyone who has an opportunity to do that or has a network of people that are in similar boats. It's It's been great for me. Um, there are some official organizations, um, like like Vistage or, or YPO, um, you know, where you can you can get you know similar things out of um, that I certainly see value in. Um, for me, just having the opportunity to to hear it from peers who um, are, are in a similar place and similarly sized businesses that deal with some of the same challenges is is really great. Um, so I've been doing that for for a couple of years. Um, that's been a huge resource for me, and it's you know not just one of those things where. You know, we, we meet, you know, every month and, you know, we, we spend half a day together and talk, you know, really like, you know, we, you get to know each other and, and you know, you'll send text messages and you get together for, for lunch and drinks and, you know, you start to understand how other families have approached this question um, and, you know, what conflicts exist out there, you know, what some of the potential pitfalls are that you've seen. Um, so it's really just a great resource to learn, um, to benchmark. Um, so anyone who has an opportunity to do something like that, I, I, I definitely encourage it. It's been great for me. Great. Yeah. When I joined my father and that's how my interest in family business came in, the, the, the fact that we happen to serve family businesses was kind of, you know, unique as well. So here we are, a family business serving family businesses, um, I was going through all the same things that the families that we served were going through, but we were we didn't come at it from the soft side. Remember, you know, so we were wealth advisors and you know planners, and and would help with the succession, but not the emotional side of it. And yeah. so I joined the Syracuse had the family business group um, through the Chamber of Commerce when I was living out there. So and. Uh, you know, at first they're like, oh, you, you can't, you can't market to us. Just no. And I'm like, trust me, if you understood what's going on in the conversations that we are and we aren't having between dad and I, this is more for me. And so to your point, Jack, you know, you said you, you become friends with these people and whatnot. And, you know, the group that I joined, every one of them had finished succession. I was the only one that there in the part of the group that hadn't gone through the succession piece. So I got lots of different you know, feedback, but there was a, a famous bottle of pinch scotch that would always show up at the summer outing that we would do together. And uh, it just made it, made it really nice. So yeah. but, you know, the, the bonding of having gone through that with other people, there are joys and there are scars and there are conversations and you need that group of like-minded people that are going through that. I, I so strongly suggest it because where you are on the emotional intelligence scale and to be able to go through this maybe higher or lower than somebody else that's in the group. And so getting 
different feedback and you know back to john you know you started the the board of directors jack this is like your internal board of advisors i said board of directors board of advisors and it's just nice to have that and i've experienced it today i'm a member of vistage um and then i you know and i do this work with families where it's like you know we bring the leadership team in and we want them to be thinking about that how do I coach through that advisory because we've got all these people that depend on their income from this business. We need to take care of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hats off to both of you for being open and vulnerable, you know, because that's really what it takes, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, we, we stress confidentiality so much in my particular group. And, you know, when we, we had this loose affiliation. I actually, uh, I pulled a few people, my dad being one of them, you know, do you have any examples of, you know, rules of engagement or framework for a group like this? And, and he gave me some, um, some copy that, that we adapted into um, a set of rules for our group. And the biggest thing is confidentiality. Um, you need to establish trust with, with the group to, to be able to get anything meaningful out of it. Um, and to do that, you, you need to be confident that, you know, what you share isn't going to be shared out, outside of that group. So we're very careful about that, at least in our group. Um, we have people that, you know, they, they open up about, about a lot of things, you know, that they want to broach the topic of succession with, you know, the, the generation ahead of them. And, you know, they don't all have um, parents and aunts and uncles that, you know, have thought about this or care to think about this as much as maybe my dad has. So, um, you know, hearing it from all sorts of different uh, people who've had different experiences uh, was able to help, you know, that individual in this, in this example, you know, come up with a way to, to broach the topic, you know, and, and ask the right questions. Um, there's all sorts of examples. Um, but yeah, confidentiality is a really big piece of that, um, nice. at least from my experience. You, you know, it reminds me of when you start talking about, you, you said confidentiality, but the piece that goes with confidentiality that means so much is trust. Right. Have you both read Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team? I, no. I have started it, as a matter Good. of fact. Yeah, I have started So it. that's number one is the absence of trust and, you, you know, and developing that, that trust within the leadership team and within the family. There he is. They're awesome. It's just a phenomenal framework for, I would, I, you know, I, I would, I, I should reach out to Patrick one day and say, we should do a five dysfunctions of a team for family businesses, because it's that, you know, it's so much more complicated, but just inside of your, you know, your leadership team, it's, if you build that trust, then you can have conflict that matters. You don't avoid conflict. Conflict is good. I said this to somebody the other the other day, and they, they just started laughing. I'm like, when has anybody ever gone to a movie that didn't have conflict in it that the movie was any good? Con conflict is necessary. We need conflict, but it needs to be healthy and respectful, right? Yeah. So, and then from there, it's just there's there's a couple other pieces but i won't go into it but commit you know commit you may or may not be going down the path that you think is the right path but the leadership team you're not going to all be on the same page and you don't all have to agree but you have to commit to say all right that's the path we're going so i'm going full board towards that i'm not going to hold back and then say see i told you so if it didn't work um which goes back to your trust so really good stuff really good stuff um uh, bah, 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 bah. What else? 
just talking about um, talent development, whether they're family members or non-family members, John, it, it sounds like, you know, you've done a lot of that thinking as you've been going through the years. How do you, how do you look at that? How do you review talent on the team, family members or non? Right. Um, so, you know, we, we do have a performance appraisal process. Number one, we we're try to, we try to be really careful with job descriptions and have a clear understanding of when we're recruiting for a position, you know, what, what the needs are and uh, what the experience requirement is and educational requirements and try to get, you know, the right people in the right spots. Um, and, and then, you know, provide a mechanism for two-way feedback and that feedback has, has to go both ways from, uh, the company to the individual and, and the other way. Um, so, you know, that's big as in terms of family members, um, you know, we have a, several ground rules, you know, we, we want family members to get, um, a related, uh, higher education degree. Uh, we want them to work somewhere else for a while and, and just experience, you know, the real world and, and other workplace environments. And we, and the, the idea there is to give them um, their own sense of accomplishment that, you know, if you jump right into the family business, you know, maybe there's a question, well, you know, I got that because I'm a family member, but I can go out in the world and I can do something else. Plus they bring back learning and experiences from there. And uh, so that's a requirement. And, uh, and, and then when the right position opens and, you know, if, if there's an interest, we make that happen. Uh, and, and try to make sure there's a good fit. It'll be fair market compensation for that position. And then in terms of future development and, you know, you know, get into succession planning ideas. And um, it, it's a matter of kind of tracking, you know, what, um, what development uh, needs to be done and, and what, what's going to get us there. You know, is it some combination of experience or training or education or, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, we, we, we do that for everybody too, not just family members, you know, we're always looking at succession plans for all our positions. And um, so family members just kind of another subset of that. Um, so, you know, that's kind of our thoughts behind it. Perfect. Um, looking at the future, what are you both most excited about? Okay. Wow. Jack, you want to go and then I'll, you go first. I'll go second. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh man, there's so many different directions I can go with this. So I'm, I'm excited to, um, I'm excited to, to work hand in hand with, with my brother and sister. That's, that's not to diminish any of my relationships with the, the, the leadership team. Um, I've, I've, it's been great to work with my sister the past couple of years. We've got a great relationship and we're doing some great things out there. Um, I'm excited for, for my brother to get in the fold as well. Um, I know this is a short-term goal. I don't know if this is the direction you were, you were hoping to go in, but That's fine. Uh, there's, there's a, there's, I feel like a, a kind of a nuanced way that, you know, a family business um, member uh, treats this job, at least the way I feel like, you know, I treat it and Alexandra does, um, that kind of, it rises at the level of accountability rises above, I, I, I think, um, where, where you might, if, if it were a career outside of a family business, I don't know. I just feel like a 
certain investment in it that I think they do too. Um, that that just has a lot of a lot of passion, um, you know, to to make things happen. And I really enjoy uh, working with them. Same reason I enjoy working with my dad so much too. Um, and again, I not, not to diminish my relationships with anyone um, that I work with. He's not a family member. There's some amazing contributors who have made their careers here, but. Um, I just think, you know, we can do some really exciting things um, as, as a family group, too. Um, so I, I, I'm always excited about that. So I'm excited for the next chapter with uh, three of us in the business. Um, outside of that, I mean, there, there are a lot of opportunities um, in the world of security, exciting new technologies. I'm a, I'm a techie kind of guy. Um, all sorts of kind of far-flung things that are just starting to materialize, you know, emerging trends in this business. If people are, are utilizing... Um, cameras on drones and in particular ways that are super cool that, you know, I don't know if they're, they're going to be real trends or not, but um, I don't know. I get excited about, about things like that. So some of the new technology out there that Doyle might be able to leverage, um, you know, to continue our, our, our growth in the industry. Um, I know we don't have a ton of time, so I'll leave it at that, but uh, some, some very exciting things. Great. John, I can, yeah, I can definitely build on Jack's answer. Just a great answer. Um, so the thing I'm most excited about is, um, you know, what the next generation does. And, and that's not even just family members. I'm especially excited about this next generation of family members because they're so committed. They're so energetic. They're just, they're so talented. And I just, you know, it just gives me great faith and confidence and trust about the future. Um, but we also have other next generation people on our leadership team and within the company. And there's a natural cycle to life, right? And, you know, younger people coming up have a certain energy and, it, and it's not just, you know, being in touch with, you know, the latest technology, although it's, you know, definitely a part of it in this day and age. Um, you know, you know, Jack, for example, has brought some just tremendously exciting things to the table with our management team um, and aptitudes and, and experience. And yet other, other members have too, who are, who are a, a, well, say a, a next generation coming up. And there's just that, some, some energy of that, that they're looking to, they're, they're looking to grow their lives and, and grow their, their financial path and grow the, the path for their family and create security for themselves. And so that, that brings a certain energy. And when you hit a certain point, you know, maybe more of my stage of the game, you're more like more about conserving things, maybe a little bit. So there's, there's different risk challenges that come with uh, generational change. So I'm just really excited to see this talented uh, group of next generation people, some of whom are family members who I, you know, love so much and, and others are, you know, part of our management team. But, you know, waiting, seeing what they're doing now and envisioning what they have yet to do when they're given even more authority and responsibility. And it's, you know, I think it's just the natural evolution of things. And uh, um, so I'm very excited about that. Good. That's awesome. I would throw to you guys, because you do learn and are always adapting, um, have you read the book Complete Family Wealth by James Hughes? I have not. Read that book. It's right up your alley. Matter of fact, don't even buy one. I'm going to send it over to you. Oh. I, 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 for being guests on the show, I'll send you wow. two. I'll send that's you very kind. To you. 
It's um, Jay's, Jay, you know, I've been mentored by some of the best people in the industry through the years. And I just, I'm, I'm fortunate. That's why this podcast lives because of all those connections through the years. And um, that's probably, you know, just one of the books that I would throw to you to say that'll help guide some of these other conversations that you're working on. Um, the other thing that I would say is, um, have you read Every Family's Business? Another, no, I'm not familiar with that one. Dr. Uh, Tom Deans, and I don't okay. have copies of that book. But so one of the things, it's, it's a, told in a parable. It's a short book. It's a good story of this family did it this way. This family did it another way. And one of the things that he put out there that is sacrilege in terms of family business consultants is the fact that each generation and maybe even every couple of years, we need to put it on the table that it's okay, to, that, that we might want to sell the business. And, and I say that, and Jack, this is more for you and your siblings more than anything. And this is not a suggestion, but it's a, the family is more important than the business. And there may come a time, whether it's now or 50 years from now or 3,000, you know, 300 years from now, doesn't matter, but just, you know, just make sure that, that, that that's okay to talk about would be my one suggestion to you guys that the strength of the legacy and that emotional attachment isn't what we're always have to do if it's the right time you know we talk about the what is it you know shirt sleeves the shirt sleeves in three generations right and it's in every it's in every society and every place out there but um it's almost like when you get to that third generation or one of those other generations the the weight of keeping that legacy going can be detrimental and, and i have one right now that i'm trying to coach he wants to run the business he's on the west coast in a whole different business loves his life very successful the only potential heir and he's trying to figure out how to run the business from his 80 year old parents that are still running the business for the most part from the West coast. I'm like, you're brilliant in what you do. Do you really, and he's, he's got a couple things that he's put together, but it's all, it's all coming from a place of legacy. And it's, he's the, it's a fifth generation. And if, if I lose it, I don't want to be the one that was the one that lost it. So I add that to your conversation that if it's the right thing for the family to do, sometimes it's a family decision, not a business decision to say it's the right time to be able to make sure that we're all sitting down at the Thanksgiving dinner table together. There's my, word, my, my, my words of wisdom. I gave you a couple of books and I've got one other thing for you, John. We'll, we'll connect sometime. We'll talk about third act philanthropy. Gentlemen, you guys have been phenomenal. Um, I highly, highly suggest people go look at Doyle's website um, and look at their history and how they put things together. I believe that you even talk about, you know, your mission and your value. You do. Yeah, your, your mission and values is up there. Your board of advisors is up there. If you're looking for a model of what we should be doing as a family business, I don't think you have to go much further than talking to or looking at what the Doyle family has done. I just, lots of hats off to you, tons of respect. Um, this has been an awesome conversation and I really appreciate the time that you've spent with everybody here today. So. 
Thank right, you. R- right back at you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for your hospitality and, 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 you know, these great conversations and all the work you're doing in this realm. It's, 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 it's huge. So uh, much appreciated. Family business. Yeah, it was great, great to be here. Really appreciate it, Michael. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, to, your, to your, your guests. This is uh, very cool. Really enjoyed it. Family business is the economic engine of upstate New York, and we need more of those. And across the around the you know across the country and around the world as well. But you know you get it. So thank you everybody for joining us. My name is Michael Columbus. This is the Family Biz Show, and I am with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. If ever you want to reach out for a resource or a question or whatever, you just tap us, and we're happy to help regardless of whether you're looking to hire somebody or not. We just want to help as many family businesses as we possibly can. So we keep that economic engine running. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with the Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.